If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 28, familiar scripture for all of us, familiar story, familiar command. If you would, let's, let's stand this morning as we read God's word together. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together this morning to worship you and to hear from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me this morning that it will be your words, Lord, that we will hear your heart. And Lord, that we will be encouraged and challenged to go and do that which you have commanded us to do. So Lord, I pray that I would step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Title of this message today is Go On and Get. And Go On and Get has, has a rather lighthearted personal connections for, for Tina and me. And it involves a, a, former, a former coworker of hers. And when there was something that needed uh, to be done in the store, or if they found themselves maybe on a slow day standing around and maybe chatting or whatever it is that they, they were doing and they realized that they needed to get to work, they would say, Go on and get. And so it became, it became kind of a lighthearted uh, thing between, between the two of them. And now, uh, go on and get is used in our home quite a bit, as in uh, she lets me know that the trash isn't going to take itself out or the car's not going to get washed or something. So she, she says, go on and get and get that done. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it can be paraphrased and summarized this way. Jesus said to his disciples, people all over the world need to get saved, so go on and get. It's our responsibility. Over the recent Christmas holiday, I came across a book some of you are, are aware of. I've spoke about it with some of you before. It's called Wiki Church. Wiki as in Wikipedia. You know what Wikipedia is. Wikipedia is an online informational encyclopedia and actually a number of years ago Wikipedia started out at a, with, a, with a different name and the idea behind it was that it would be an online resource for people to, uh, to go to or to access and it would be put together by experts so people in the general public like you and me would, would submit ideas or articles for the experts to uh, to approve or to finish or to, you know, their expert opinion, they would, they would research it and then they would post it on this, this website. Well, the experts could not keep up with the demand of the public's desire for information and knowledge. And so after three years, only 24 articles had been approved for publication. So long story short, after regrouping, they decided to relaunch this website under the name Wikipedia with the idea 
that anyone can contribute. If you've been on Wikipedia, you know that it's, it's a website that anybody can go on and edit these sites with the knowledge uh, that they have. And so because of allowing the non-experts, you and me, to go in and, and contribute articles, in the first year since its relaunch, over 20,000 articles were written in its first year. And since Wikipedia was relaunched, now over 17 million articles have been published on Wikipedia. And an independent study has shown that the articles contributed by the non-experts are as accurate as those who are submitted by, by the experts. So the idea behind Wikipedia is that anyone can contribute, not just the experts. And that's the idea behind this book, Wiki Church, that I, that I read. And it, it impacted me so much that I wanted other people to, to read it. So I ordered six more books. And I gave one to each of the pastors. I gave one to Kyle. I gave one to Logan. I gave one to uh, Adam in Centralia, Pastor Short, uh, Pastor Steve. And because uh, I wanted them to, I wanted to see if it impacted them the same way that it impacted me. And those that have read most of it or, or finished it uh, indeed have said that it has impa- impacted them much the same way. Because what it's saying is that it's not the, the responsibility of the, the, the paid professionals in the church to do the work of the gospel. It's everybody's responsibility to go out and make disciples. And it's communicated in a very, in a very simple way, the, the book is, and that's great because then I can understand it. So it's, it's important that each of us understand that it's our responsibility to pick up the mandate of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. And so people all over the world need to be saved. And so I say to you this morning, go on and get do the work that we have been commanded to do. WikiChurch talks about four basic elements. We're going to talk about those four elements this morning. The four E's of making disciples. The four E's are engage, establish, equip, and empower. Engage, establish, equip, and empower. The word engage is a word that I have found myself now using all the time. And I want it to be a part of my everyday regular vocabulary because it's important to me that I engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Engaging means to start a conversation with somebody. And we just started in in our Sunday school class, in the 20-somethings class, we just started the God test. And it's written by the same, uh, not the guy that wrote the Wiki Church, but his mentor. These two people, they go hand in hand. And it's about making the gospel a, a way of life for us. That's what we need to do. We need to make the gospel a way of life. We need to be finding ourselves in situations where we are engaging people with the gospel of Jesus. And in this, the God test that we're doing, it's a very direct way of doing it. It's after people are engaged, you know, because it's about knowing your culture. It's about knowing who your neighbor is. It's about knowing who you're in line next to at Walmart. It's, it's about knowing your, your culture. And, it's, and after you get, we get to know somebody, in, in many cases, that's important to do. You know, there's no more beating around the bush. It's, hey, do you believe in God? And from that first question, we're able to move forward in establishing in their life how they feel about God. Are they, are they atheists or agnostic and they believe the, that there's not a God or we can't know that there's a God or is there background where, yeah, I believe that there's a God, but, you know, all this religion stuff, it's just not me. 
You're gonna we come across all kinds of people and it's important for us to know to walk in sharing the gospel, to engage. And I want to be about engaging people and I found myself using this word all the time now, engaging somebody, engaging somebody with, with the word. And a few weeks ago, the message that I preached uh, called The Engagement at Philippi, we saw in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul, who was the best, aside from Jesus, the Apostle Paul was the, the best at engaging people in their culture, wherever they are. He knew uh, the culture, and he was an educated man, so he had an idea of in what manner to engage them, whether it was culturally or whether it was uh, depending on their personality or however. So he engaged in one quick little lesson in Acts 16. Uh, Lydia, who dealt in purple fabric, he also engaged the demon-possessed slave girl and a jailer, and, and his tireless pursuit of sharing the gospel drove him to engage people with the gospel. It's the starting point. It's the relational aspect of sharing the gospel, engaging in somebody, showing somebody that we do care for you I care for you enough to know what your life is about and knowing about you so that I can share the gospel with you. Why would we do anything else? That's a very simple question. Why would we do anything else to get to know somebody other than want to engage them with the gospel so that they may experience eternal life in the same manner that we have, that their life may be victorious, that they may understand and know that without Jesus, without saying yes to the gospel, that, that there is no hope, that they are hopeless. And that why, for what other reason would we engage somebody than to offer the hope of Jesus to somebody? That's what is it, engaging people is all about. At the ball field, Walmart, doesn't matter. We need to be about engaging people. And there are those times where God will open the door for us to share with somebody who's a stranger, those, there are those moments where there is no time or to build a relationship. You might be in an elevator with somebody. You might be where God just opens the door for you to share the gospel with a complete stranger. That's where it starts, with engaging. And after somebody receives the gospel, the most important thing that, that they can do, that we can help them with, is to establish them in God's word. The second E is establish. Establishing a strong biblical foundation in a new Christian is the key to their spiritual growth and strength. All of us know about the, the leaning tower of Pisa. We know... We've, we've seen the pictures on, on, on Facebook, the people that, you know, they're standing like this, like they're, they're holding it up or pushing it over. The, the tower is the most famous example of beautiful on the outside, but weak and shallow where it is most important at its foundation. The tower of, uh, was to be an elaborate eight-story bell tower. That's the, the original intent was that it would be an eight-story bell tower, and construction began on the tower. Anybody have any idea when, when the bell tower, when the leaning tower of Pisa was, was built? 1183, almost 900 years ago, the leaning tower of Pisa was, the construction began, 1183. But because of water levels in that area, the foundation could only be 10 feet deep. And so that should have given them a, a red flag right away. And problems began to arise after the first level was completed. 
After the first, first level, one side was already beginning to sink. And instead of attempting to repair the foundation, what did they do? They tried to make up for it by adding inches to the other side. They, had tri- they tried and attempted to fix the outside instead of fixing the foundation. The builders continued to attempt to make up for the foundational flaws by adding inches year after year. Obviously, it did not work. And it continued to lean more and more and become weaker. Over 50 years later, by 1234, the architect discovered that it was leaning more than ever. And so after the fifth floor, the project was abandoned. And over the years, two more more floors were added. But because of the extreme lean and the weak foundation, it could never serve as it was intended It was intended to be an elaborate bell tower, but because of the weak foundation and because of just trying to fix what was seen, it failed to serve what it was intended to do. It serves only as a tourist attraction. So it takes hard work and it takes dedication to build a strong, straight tower. And in our mission to make disciples, we need to pay close attention to the disaster of the leaning tower. Without a strong, deep biblical foundation, our spiritual lives will always be offline, uncentered, and weak. And we will never develop into what we were intended to be either if we do not develop a strong biblical foundation for our lives. And too too many Christians, sadly, that you know and I know, sadly, people who call themselves Christians are more content with what can be seen on the outside the facade, then what really, really matters is the foundation. Let me ask you what we know about foundations. Foundations are the most important, you know, Frank can tell you, the most important aspect of a, of a structure is, is the foundation. And what do we know about foundations? Well, they're not seen. They're not attractive. They are not what people come and, and look at when, when they travel somewhere. Ooh, can we see the foundation? They're buried, and they take the entire burden of the weight of the structure, yet the deeper the foundation, the stronger and the higher the building. Look at Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. If you want to turn there, if not, you can just just listen. And again, a familiar scripture, building your house on the rock. Luke 6, 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So it's very, it's very simple. It all comes down to doing what the word says. Jesus said it comes down to, to hearing my words and putting them into practice. That's what, it, that's what it comes down to, hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. If we do that, our house is built on the rock. If we hear his words and we do not put them into practice, our house is built upon the sand and it will fall with a great 
crash. So we must continue to be committed to seeing the new Christians deeply rooted in God's word. Thank God that Orchardville Church remains committed to reaching, teaching, and serving. The third E is equip. Equipping believers must be intentional. Equipping the saints, it must be something that we do on purpose. It must be something that we do with a plan. It must be something that we do on purpose. Equipping the saints. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Those who are of the professional ranks, if you you will, but included in that is Sunday school teachers, ministry leaders. Our sole responsibility at the church is to equip those that are faithful to be here week in and week out, year in and year out, to be equipped to go out that they themselves may effectively make disciples. What does equipping the saints look like? I don't think we have to look too far. Equipping the believers looks like OC kids. It looks like girls of grace. It looks like boys of strength. It looks like modified youth. It looks like Wednesday nights here at Orchardville Church. It looks like Sunday school. Equipping the believers to go and make disciples looks a lot like Orchardville Church, and I thank God for that. Don't you? Amen. Amen. May I never forget. May Mark Shell never forget. May Pastor Short Sledge, may Pastor Steve Upchurch never forget. May Logan Hackworth and Adam and Joe And every Sunday school teacher and ministry leader in this building that associate with this church ministry, may we never forget that if you are faithful to come here week after week, then we must be faithful to the call to equip and prepare you as we prepare ourselves to do the work of God's kingdom. There's still one more. There's one more E, and we can train, we can equip, we have, but we have to put the wheels in motion. Paul talks to Titus in chapter three, verse 14. He says, our people must devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. We can receive the training, we can, we can watch all the videos, but unless we put, put the wheels in motion, unless we let the rubber hit the road, we'll never accomplish anything. We must be empowered to go. We must stand up here in Sunday school. We must stand before you in OC Kids and in Modified Youth. We must stand before these kids and say, go, be empowered to go and do the work of the kingdom. In fact, let me be so bold to say, go out and make mistakes. Go out and say the wrong things. Go out and quote the wrong scripture. Just go out and be faithful to the call, knowing that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to get tongue-tied. There are going to be those those opportunities where we're going to do it wrong. I like to play tennis. I think I'm pretty good. How do I get better at playing tennis? I play tennis. And I practice. My serve gets better when I go over my serve over and over and over again. If I've got a bad backhand, which I do, I get better at it by 
hitting my backhand as much as I can, more and more and more. You know, free throw shooting in basketball is a lost art. You know, basketball players are throwing up bricks of free throws anymore because they don't practice. Practice, practice, do it, keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. You get better by doing it. Making disciples and witnessing and sharing the gospel is no different. If we just hear about it, if we just see pictures about it, we never get good at it. Now you can watch and you can listen and you can take notes and you can apply, but you have to, we have to get out and we have to do it to be effective. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. God will honor our, our mess-ups. And there's gonna be opportunities where we don't know what the right answer is, and that's okay. God will teach us. God will clean up our messes. I spent 20 years in management, in retail management, I, and I enjoyed. I enjoyed being in retail. I, I generally consider myself a people person, and, and uh, in many aspects, I, I enjoyed retail. So I had the responsibility of, of hiring and firing and training and all that, all that kind of stuff. And, and hiring somebody has got to be the hardest thing in the world to go through that process of of getting the right person and because you don't know somebody unless you've worked with them for a while. But when I hired a new employee, I empowered them to make mistakes. I want you to try. I want you to try your best. I want you to learn. And in your learning, I want you to make mistakes because you're either one of two things. Either you are perfect or your name is Jesus Christ. I know you're not Jesus, so try very hard. So just try very, very hard. And I know you're gonna make mistakes but we, we do, we make mistakes, and we learn from them. So just as long as you're doing, as long as you're being faithful, that's what I need. So be empowered. Go and share your faith. Tell people about Jesus. The more we do it, the better we get at it. We hear every week from this, from this pulpit, Pastor Mark, he tells us, share your faith with somebody this week. Don't let those be empty words. Share your faith with somebody this week. What has God done in your life? It's the story of the gospel and it's the story of what the gospel has done in us that drives it home in those who listen. Go and make disciples. Go to Luke chapter nine, verses one and two. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. If you go down to verse six, you know what they did? And they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They were empowered and so they went. And you know, they came back and they say, well, we tried to do this and it didn't work. In some instances, he said, well, you have to do this. This one doesn't, this doesn't work unless it's by prayer and fasting. Oh, okay, well, it's, it's, it's going and doing. It's coming back and evaluating and going and doing and evaluating and going and doing. May we be faithful in the going. Jesus empowered his disciples all the time to go and do. And what did he say to the disciples when there were 5,000 people to be fed? They were like, Jesus, they're hungry. He said, you feed them. He made them think. Today, if you have set under biblical teaching, being equipped 
to serve Jesus by serving others, then please know this, that you are empowered to go and make disciples, everyone, 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 empowered, go. Don't think that you're too young in Christ. Don't think that you don't know enough scripture. Just go. Be faithful. Wherever you are, whether it's in class, whether it's at the store, whether it's at the ball game, it doesn't matter. Just be faithful. Be empowered. Effective disciple-making is all about engaging the lost, establishing them in God's word, equipping them to minister, and empowering them to go. So go on and get. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the worship that we have experienced. Lord, for the power of your word and for the simplicity, Lord, of your message that we are to go. That there are people all over the world, in our backyard and on the other side of the world, that need to be saved. And that is our responsibility. Jesus is not going to make disciples. We are to make disciples and Jesus will build his church. Lord, that is, that is your desire for us, that is your command. That we proclaim the gospel, get them saved, you clean them up, and you build the church. Have your way with us this morning during this time of invitation. Where there is healing that is needed, Lord, may you pour out your spirit for healing where there is need for salvation this morning, Lord, may, may the power of the Holy Spirit be convicting upon a person this morning to draw them to you for salvation. May we repent and walk in obedience. Whatever need there is today, Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known, that the name of Jesus would be made high and lifted up. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.